This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. This is an account, one of the most descriptive historical accounts that we've got of the ships and the times. Um, and this is, uh, this is an account that tells us, I guess, the harrowing story of what it's like to be caught in the middle of a storm. Um, this one's called the Northeaster. Um, and they didn't have outboard engines that they could, uh, they could just drop down and, and start speeding off in the opposite direction to the way that the wind was blowing them. They were literally at the mercy of the wind and the waves. So pretty uh, scary, I'd, Im- I'd imagine, and an incredible account of this huge storm. Now, I don't know um, how many of you know about Paul or the Apostle Paul, um, but this wasn't the first time that this chap had been caught in a shipwreck, let alone a storm. Um, He was quite accustomed to them, really, um, and he'd experienced them before. um, And I guess he has also experienced, and, and this is something for us to note right at the very beginning, that he's also experienced what it's like to come out the other end of a storm what it's like to experience the shipwreck and what it's like to come out of the other end of a shipwreck. And we'll try and apply that as we move um, through this passage. But this time he's sailing to Rome under arrest, um, having been um, under arrest, I guess, for almost two years. Can you imagine that? Being under lock and key for almost two years. And now they have sort of sent him from one place to another, from one leader to another, trying to get this guy sentenced to death, essentially, for preaching the word of God. Um, not something that we experience in this part of the world, but that still happens today. There are places where the word of God cannot be preached, and people will suffer consequences, most severe consequences, should they attempt to do such a thing. And Paul here has been doing this, he's been out and about preaching about this man Jesus Christ and about the fact that he died and rose again and the resurrection from the dead. And of course they thought, well, we could do without this. He's stirring up dissension as it were, so let's lock him up and let's eventually try to get him to a place where we can end his life. But of course, Paul is a smart man, and he's been in this situation, and he's heard, and he's listened, and two years have passed by, and he's eventually said, look, I'm a Roman citizen, so whatever you want to do with me, you'll have to take it up with Rome, or send me back there. And that's exactly what they do. They send him back to Rome, and this is where we get this account then of this shipwreck. They send him back to Rome as a Roman citizen. And also, it's important to note, if you just drop back a few chapters in Acts, which gives us some incredible description of Paul's missionary journeys, Acts 23 and verse 11, it tells us that the Lord appeared to Paul and said, everything that you've done here, you're going to do in Rome. Everything that you've done here with these people and all this that you've come up against and the preaching of of the word, all that you've done here, you're going to do in Rome. So Paul kind of knew before they told him that they were going to put him on a boat and send him to Rome, the Lord had already told him, you're going to do what I've asked you to do in Rome. So with Paul's boating experience and shipwreck experience and the Lord's encouragement, 
We'll see this morning how he handles the situation that he's about to find himself in. There are 276 people on board, so it's quite a big boat. You think, Matthew, that's incredible. Were you there? How do you know? Nobody's thought that. Verse 37 tells me, it says, look, there were 276 of us on board. Incredible. That's, of course, including Paul and also who wrote Acts? Luke. So Paul and Luke were on the boat and Luke is doing the recording. He's taking down the account. The same Luke that you know wrote the book of um, Luke. Just checking you're listening. So as they set sail from that nice place called Adranthia, I know, Tim, I think it is actually, but Paul's personal guard with him is a man called Julius. Anybody ever met a Julius? No, it's a rare one, isn't it, really? But this man called Julius is a member of the Imperial Guard, a member of the Roman Imperial Guard. And it's not long before in this situation where Paul has a personal guard on board a boat, sets sail for Italy, it does not take long for everything to seem really, 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 really bad. So it's gone from bad, being under arrest, on a boat, with a personal guard, with 275 other people, and now, all of a sudden, the weather turns. And it blows them off course. And they end up taking shelter at some small islands. And it's taken them that long to get to this place that it's now late autumn. Um, now, I'm no shipping expert, but should you do a little bit of research, that there are places around the Mediterranean, as you sail up through there, that between September and November is a no-go area. You don't go there, certainly not in a boat, certainly not to the mercy of the wind and the waves and the storms. And Paul sort of expresses a warning. He sort of says, look, <laughs> um, maybe he shares his experience with them. Listen, I've been shipwrecked a few times. It's not gone so well. Um, my advice would be not to sail. Let's Leave it here, although this port isn't particularly very big, and although it might struggle to sustain us over the winter, it might be an idea for us to stay put. But I guess probably driven by profit and loss, and probably by the God fearing for his life, they decided to sail on. And we get verse 13 and verse 15 of chapter 27. They thought they'd got it, by the way. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. When everything seems like it's been going terrible, they now think there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. We've got what we wanted. And then in this moment, they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, didn't take long, did it? Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Essentially, they've gone from... to... Ah! In, in literally no time at all. And they're now in uh, the midst of a storm, at the mercy of the storm, finding themselves absolutely swept along by what's about to happen. 
Sailing is completely and utterly impossible. The storm is fierce. And Luke records, as we read through that description, two weeks of desperation, two weeks of ropes holding the boat together. Can you imagine? Two weeks of throwing goods and food overboard. Two weeks of even throwing the ship's tackle overboard. Like we have got nothing left to give. That's how bad it was. Eventually, verse 20, it says, All hope was lost. All hope was lost. Now this is where it gets personal. Let me ask you the question. Have you ever been in one of those moments where everything just seems to be wrong? (laughs) Everything just seems to be wrong. And you are going about doing what you think you need to do. And sometimes on that path of everything seems to be going wrong, you get this little bit of glimmer, a little bit of a glimmer of hope, and you think, yes, we finally, we finally got through it. And really, that's just the beginning. And you think, what on earth is going off? And what am I going to do about this? And you literally, I I don't know about you, but from experience of what I've seen and what I've experienced in my own life, I do exactly the same thing as what these sailors do. Blind panic. I don't know what to do, so what do I do? I start throwing things overboard. I'm not talking about an actual shipwreck. I'm talking about life. And I start throwing things overboard. You know, I've not got time. There's so much going off, and I'm in blind panic. What could I possibly do? Listen, something's going to have to give. You know, maybe that bit of time that I have in the morning before anybody gets out of bed, I'm going to need my rest. That bit of time that I spend with the Lord, those, those 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes that are just mine and his, and we spend that time together, that is going to have to go. Because if I don't get my rest, I'm in a mess. Anybody knows me without sleep? And then, well, you know, it's great and all of that, and I've, I've managed to do something, and at least I'm breathing a little bit. But, you know, there's a few friends that I've got and they're always talking to me about God does this and God does that and he loves me and he cares for me. They are going to have to go because at the moment this storm is getting far beyond anything that I can cope with. So the best thing that I can do is ditch them overboard. And then, well, you know, I feel like I'm breathing a little bit. I guess the next thing now that I can do, because I'm feeling guilty when I come to church on a Sunday, because people are looking at me and talking at me, and they want to know how my week's been, and I haven't really got anything positive to say to them. It's been rubbish. Nobody ever says, oh, that's terrible, because I never say it's rubbish. I say it's okay. I walk through the door. How's your week been? Yeah, it's fine, you fibber. It's great. It's been a great week. It's been wonderful. The truth is, you've been throwing everything overboard. But why would you share that with me? Why would you share that with other people? Oh no, I'll just drown in it. So I start throwing church overboard because it just makes me feel bad, makes me feel guilty. So I'm going to kick that overboard as well. And now all of a sudden I've got rid of my 
private time, just me and God. Now I've got rid of my godly friends who care about me, who want the best for me, and who are sharing wisdom with me. I've kicked them overboard. And now I've got rid of church. Now I've got Sunday free, just to me now. I can start to think about how I can get through these things. And then, you know, I guess it gets to that point where there's only a few more things left to go. And I can't give my job up because that's my job. Can't give my family up because they're my family. So now what do I do? Well, do you know, I guess my prayer time, that can go. Nobody's making me feel guilty about that anymore. Done a good job here, haven't I? So I'll get rid of that. And I'll get rid of reading the Bible because, again, now I look at it and it confuses me a bit and I'm not really asking God for anything because I'm in a storm and it is what it is. And you all might think to yourselves, well, Matt, you need help. (laughs) But isn't this what we do? Aren't we so very good at getting ourselves in a position where the first thing that goes is our sense? And we throw it overboard. And we say, God, why have you left me? Why am I in this mess? What is going off? And as the wrong things and the bad things and the life that is so ready to hurt us and put us in the middle of a storm, as that becomes the forefront, we throw God overboard. And the sailors do exactly as we would except for one man. Except for one man. Paul, a prisoner, remember, he is more accustomed to heartache, pain and difficulty. He is more accustomed to a boat being destroyed. He is the most aware of the surroundings around him. Yet he stands absolutely firm. At no point is Paul shaken by the storm. And I find myself scratching my head at this because how does he possibly, how does he possibly withstand the barrage that comes at him? Paul comes to the people on board in verse 26. uh, Verse 21, sorry. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them. He sensed his opportunity. We are, as people, we are absolutely the same across the ages. Nothing's really changed. We might dress a little bit differently. The language that we use might be a little bit different. We have access to different things. But the truth is that when it boils down to it, we're exactly the same. So when it gets to the point where we have got no food in our belly and we feel like there's no hope in front of us, It's at that point we either jump overboard or we listen to to somebody who brings some help. Isn't it sad that we have to get to that point? We have to get to the point where we are in desperation, where we feel like we've got nowhere else to go, completely hopeless and starving. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, I like how he gets this bit in first, He says, "Um, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. And then you uh, you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now, I urge you to keep up your courage. Why, Paul? Well, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me. Now, 
let me just refresh your memories. Paul is under guard. He's imprisoned because he's been doing what? Preaching all about God. And now they find themselves hopeless, without hope. Only minutes ago were his uh, prison officers, and now he's telling them to listen because the God who I serve has told me that everybody's going to be all right. The boat will be lost, but nobody else will be. He says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. If you're an underliner, underline those few words. For I have faith in God. Don't you find it amazing how one man on that boat had enough faith for all 276 of them? One man on that boat had enough faith for everybody else. How do you not know that that is to be your testimony? That in the middle of the storm, when everything seems to be going wrong, how do you not know that your faith will be enough for that other person? When you say, I'm going to stand firm, doesn't matter what the storm throws at me, I'm going to stand firm. And that testimony that you bear could be enough for somebody to realize that they need Jesus in their life. Nevertheless, he says, we must run aground on some island. Paul's faith now has delivered some encouragement to a group of men who were desperate. The boat continues then to be driven by the storm until land is sensed. It's amazing how the guys sensed it, whether it was the, the waves crashing, whether it was the fact that all of a sudden particular birds had come near, maybe they'd heard something, something changed, but the surroundings that they find themselves in, now they've sensed that they're getting closer to land. And they take some depth soundings and they start to worry because naturally we're going to run aground. There's nothing we can do. The wind's just driving us that way. And Paul says to them in verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You'll need it to survive. Why is that? Well, we know the basics, don't we? But the truth is, he's already said the boat's going to be destroyed. So if they find themselves then in a position where they've got to swim... It's better that they swim with food in their bellies and some energy uh, that they've taken from the food. And after he said this, and this is the bit that gets me, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the heartache and the pain, in the middle of everything that is now uh, where they find themselves desperate, afraid, and Paul himself being arrested, being a prisoner because he's been preaching God, says in verse 35, after he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all, and then he broke it. What's the most important thing for us not to do in the middle of a storm? Panic. Forget whose we are. We are his. We are children of the living God. And if we put our faith and our trust in him, the word tells us over and over again that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And Paul says, it doesn't matter what can man do to me. Words that he would lay to pen. What can man do to me? Nothing. So I'm going to stand here and I'm going to give thanks for the food that I've got because I know full well that it is from him. I know the fact that we're alive is because of him. The very fact that all 276 of us are going to survive is because of him. 
So what am I going to do? I'm not going to forget that. I'm not going to say, well, the company I'm in didn't allow me. No, I'm going to give thanks to God in front of them all and break it because I'm not going to change who I am. Amen? I will not change who I am because this, Paul says, this is who God has called me to be. And Paul breaks bread and they share together. He brings the calm in the storm. And in that situation now, you can think, well, he's far better than I am. And I've thought that, and I'm pretty sure of that. But there's some very basic things that Paul does. He remembers what the Word of God said to him, and he applies it to his life. And my question to you, as my question is to me on a daily basis, do I trust that God has got it? Do I trust that God has got it? Because if I'm reading his word, if I'm letting it soak into my mind and my heart, if I'm then meditating on that word, am I then applying that word to my life? In desperation, sometimes we can put all of God's stuff aside and we can think, these are the things I need to focus on. And the truth is that the enemy blinds us because the only thing we need to focus on is God. And he says, don't worry about everything else. I've got it. They finally run aground in Melita or Malta. Any Maltese in here? Hey! And every person makes it to shore, just as God had said. And Paul um, had, had, um, had told them that this was going to be the case. And God delivered on his promise. Do you know, for us this morning, in 2019, we might not get on a boat that needs to be bound together by ropes. We might not get on a boat because we're prisoners and need to go to Rome. But we have the exact same life situations that come in. And what we do with those life situations shapes our walk and our testimony that the Lord has called us to do. We've got so much to learn from Paul's actions and his faith. He's heard what the Lord has said to him. He's even in the worst life-threatening storm. He stood firm to those words that the Lord has given to him. And we too can do exactly the same today. Nothing's changed we can read the word, we can remember and study the word, and we can apply the word to our lives. If you've got your Bibles, James chapter 1 and verse 22, again, if you're an underliner, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. Don't just listen to it, but apply it. What a difference that makes to our lives. You could take what I've, heard this mo- uh, what I've said this morning and take 0.01% of it and never do anything with it. Pointless. Or you can listen to what the Word of God has said to us this morning and we can learn from it because we're applying it to our lives. And that's what the Word of God is for. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Oh, I've been to church this morning. Listen to God's Word. What did the preacher say? No idea. He was wearing pink. I couldn't concentrate. But he says, don't just listen to it and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And in the original, it says, be ye doers. Be doers of the word. Apply it. Set it into motion. The Lord says, test me in this. Test and see. See what I say is the truth. Go find out. Test and see. Listen and apply, just as Paul did here. And my challenge to you is if you've walked into church this morning, you're new this morning, 
Maybe you've never been to Hope Church before. Maybe you've been once or twice and you've thought, well, I'll go again because, well, just because the preacher wears weird stuff. But maybe you've thought this morning that you're here by accident. Let me tell you, you're not. Not by any stretch of the imagination. You are here because you have a God who loves you and he cares for you and he wants the best for you. Now, that might not be Hope Church, but what I do know is it is God and he wants the very best for you. So I'm going to pray now, and we're going to close with some worship, and then we're going to eat some food together. Kev's going to come up and pray for the food before we go through there, and and, and the kids run at us, and there's food everywhere. But let me just pray as I do pray. I want you to listen, and I want you to just soak it in, and I want you to think about your position before a God who loves you, because he's given his best for you, and that's Jesus Christ. We have an empty cross just up there. The reason that it's empty is because my Savior is alive. And he has dealt with my sin and my shame, and he is willing to do exactly the same for you. But you have to say, Lord, I am sorry for the sin in my life. Please come into my heart and change me from the inside out. If you want to know more and you want to find out more about this man, Jesus, then come and see me. I am quite nice sometimes, especially when I've had food. So let's pray, and then we'll worship together in closing. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning that we have had this opportunity to just read this descriptive story about how Paul was able to stand firm and his faith was able to stand strong, even in the hopeless situation, in the middle of a storm. Father God, he stood strong. He remembered what you'd said to him and he applied it to his life. And Father, this morning I pray for all those that don't yet know you as Lord and Saviour. And I pray, Lord God, that they may have heard what's been said this morning, maybe only a small fraction, but they might just think about it and it might soak into their hearts and their minds and that, Father, they might come looking for you. Father, we know that you yet pursue us. And we pray, Father God, that we might just listen to that call. We just thank you for the opportunity that we've got and we thank you for your word. May you just encourage us with it. And Father, those of us that are walking with you, we just ask, Lord God, that we might not just merely listen to the word, but Father, that we might be doers of all that you've called us to be. So Father, as we worship now, encourage us, bless us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.